Okay, Darren, is everybody here? Everybody's here? All right, good. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Welcome you to uh, again Crib Radio Time. You're one of our like foundational artists that we play here, and uh, I just very happy to have you on board again. I want to ask you some questions about the beginning, the very, right. very, very beginning, and how you felt when you was starting your journey, like. Uh, you you told me the other day the car stairs was your first mix, but they didn't release it, right? They, and they didn't release the, it. Well, remember, I was Gene Red. I knew Gene Red because I knew his father, because his father worked at King the same time I did King Records, and Gene Red Junior is Sharon Red's brother. Uh huh. Uh huh. So. Gene was a record producer and he produced that that song it really hurts me go brother Carstairs. So I went down I went down he the at, at the studio was um uh oh my god don't tell me I forgot the name of it uh Future Gold it's Jesse James studio Jesse James the guy who did the horse uh-huh. but anyway it was his his studio and so I I went down there with him I forget why I did it because uh, he said, "Oh, I'm going to go into a studio." I said, "Yeah, I'd like to go." So anyway, uh, the this, tape was all the, set up. And, at this point, what interest did you have in mixing records? At that point, had, did you do your your uh, sandpiper mixes yet? Uh, oh yeah, of course, yeah. So you yeah. did you did the sandpiper mixes because you saw how the dance floor was there. And how they were exactly falling off after right. every song, and so you wanted to get the songs to mix together. Right, right. Well, I, I'd already made the tapes. I've already done that. So, um, so you was interested. I thought it'd be, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I went there, and then he had to go into the other room, and and he said, you know, just you know, just play with it. And I go, what do you mean? He said, well, here, you you press this button, it'll play, and then just fool with the knobs and you know this does this and that i said oh, okay so i was just fooling around you know and of course i did something very stupid which i i swear someday i'm still gonna do is i put the bass all the way to the left and the kick drop on the right and man i couldn't believe the rhythm pattern that i got with that and i said god why can't you make a record and then i i remembered you why you have when you cut a record, you have to have the bass in the middle. Otherwise, it won't cut. Oh, you know, right. the record head will go like this. So you have to have it dead center. Uh-huh. And 
and and if it's if it's like that they'll just do a crossover so that that the low end all goes to the middle but anyway so i was fooling with it and did this and did that and so he came back in and he said let me hear it so i played and he goes that sounds pretty good he said you want a copy of it and i went what do you mean a copy of it he said i'll just make you a little tape of it and i said oh, okay so he put it on a little seven and a half inch reel you know and and that was it so after i had a few big records then all of a sudden that came out un unbeknownst to me which is par for the course for you right yeah because yeah because uh, i wasn't aware out, people are always putting out your shit without telling you yeah so i wasn't aware of that until the bbc came over to do an interview with me and so they came into the apartment and everything and so um you know i did the, they had me i mean it was embarrassing they had me so high on this pedal pedestal said this is the apartment of the genius and i went you sure you got the right you sure you got the right apartment that's all i could say and they go yes this is the man who did the car stairs and i said i never heard of that I said, oh, my God. I said, you come all the way here? I think you got the wrong guy. Oh, no, it's you. And I said, well, I, I never heard of that group. Oh, yeah, it was a big, big record in the UK. And I said, uh, what's the name of it? And they told me, they said, it really hurts me. I said, I don't know that record at all. I'm sorry. I mean, it, it wasn't me. I said, I hope you didn't come over here for nothing. Well, you did a lot of other records. I said, yeah, but I, I don't know that record. He says, oh, here, hold on. I got a, I, I have it on my cassette player all the time. So he's trying to find it. And when I heard it and I went, oh, my God, they released that. I said, I was only fooling around. And that was the same tape that take that. Gene I only had. did it once. I only did it once. <laughs> and I was so embarrassed. I said, oh, my God. I said, I, I can't believe they put that out. So what? Because I really did. I said I did not know my ass from a hole in the ground. That's exactly what I told him when it came to doing that, and I didn't. It was honest, God's truth. So after you did that, yeah, your first one was. I'm not sure if it was Dream World, or well, Dream World was the first one I mixed, but but um, uh, do it till you satisfied was the second one, and that's the one that came out first. I see. I see. Now, and, I want to know, how did you get to do those? I mean, was your interest in mixing? Because, because, because Mel had a couple records that had B-sides, uh, you know, Scepter, uh, instrumentals on the B-side, and I was able to create these long versions by doing that. So when I did Dream World from a record, he said, no, could you go into the studio and do something like that? And I said... But first time, I guess. Prefer, but first, how did you get to that point? I mean, did you call Mel to say you was interested? Or I was making the tapes and the word, and I remember I'd already been in the music business, right? Uh huh. As a so player. I knew how to talk to people and deal with people. So I went in there and I, I said, uh, and when I met May Jane, May Hampton James at the uh, at Scepter Records, and then. Uh, you know, it, it was so funny when I when I when I met her. You know, she's there, blowing her nail, you know, 
drying her nails with her hands up. And she, <sighs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's all I can remember about her. But it was so funny. So she said, uh, so I explained what I did. She says, oh, no. She says, you, you have to speak to it. She says, I'm in promotion. You have to speak to Speak Mel to Sharon, who's I said, um, and, and yeah, and I, I so I, I, you know, he introduced me, and I so I played him that the thing I did on Dream World, and he said, um, he you had said, did, you had did oh, some you may, on Dream make, World already, like from your house, yeah, I did it from a record, okay, so and then he said, little, can you go in the studio demo. and do that? And I said, I said, well, I wouldn't know how to do it in the studio, really. He said, well, you just tell the engineer you, you want this and that. And I said, okay. Well, every time I wanted to do something, the engineer said, well, no, you can't do that. And I said, well, why not? And I said, well, I, I still want to do it. What did so you anyway, do? I had. Why was that? What well, I wanted to pan things this way and do things that way. He said, well, that's not the way it's done. I said, yeah, but I like it better that way. And I was always like stereo nut, so. And and then I wanted to and then I wanted to go back to the beginning and I you know and then I realized that the song modulated and I I had to go back so I so I says wait a minute I got to figure out a way to do that and so I said I took the strings out and I took the horns I started taking everything out and I says my God I'm taking everything out and. And I got to take the bass out too. So I said, well, well look, let me the, raise the conga. Was the engineer looking at you like you were a nut? Well, he, he thought I was, you know, like, what the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> and um, did he know then, it was for a long version? Obviously he did, right? No, no, but he didn't, he didn't get it. He didn't get it. You know, he didn't really get it. So anyway, um, I took the drums up and then I said, okay, now, now rewind the tape. We're going to do the same section. And then I put in the bass. I said, okay, roll it back again. Now I'm going to do this. He said, well, how, what are you going to do? I said, then we're going to splice it together. He says, how do you know they're going to work? I said, because they will. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I can edit it. I can edit it. And I, so I edited it myself. I said, screw this. I, you know, because he couldn't quite understand. He just said, well, I don't. That sounds funny. I said, okay. And then when I got to do the organ, when I put the, oh, no, no, that's, that was, that's do it to you satisfied with the organ. No, but the, uh, but, but that was the first one I did. And then, and then the, um, uh, then they had this group in the can that was called Brothers Trucking. And I, and, and that, do you think you could do something with that? And I said, yeah, I like it. But, I said that brother's trucking sucks. I mean, it sounds like a tribute to Eddie Kendricks. <laughs> you know. Uh, keep on well, going. wouldn't you think so, brother's trucking? Yeah, I would think I get they were trying to. I mean, isn't that the worst name? But isn't that a suck name, brother's trucking? So I said, why don't you name? I said, I said, are, are they all black? I said because I said the song sounds great. He said, uh, is it a black group? Yeah. And I said, are they from the city? Yeah. I said, well, why don't you call them? You know the bmts or the, you know like like crosstown expressway or you know you want it to be street sounding but fast uh -huh. Uh -huh. so meaning like you know like a subway or something you know so then they came out with bt express and of course that's brothers trucking expense you know? uh -huh. so uh -huh. Uh -huh. so now you did those two records 
BT yes. Express is becomes a major hit. Oh, I know. And then I said to myself, well, so the how, only way so from would, here, the only way from here is down. Yes. But how, how would you, how did you feel? Were you excited? I mean, you had to be excited. The first two records, one of them went to the top 10. I mean, well, no, but I was scared. No, it got to be number one in Cashbox. So, uh, -huh. uh, no, but that was exciting. I mean, it was exciting, but I thought, wow, the only place from here is down. Well, well, no, but that's what I thought. You know, remember I was a promotion man, so I said, "How do I, how do I do this again?" And I thought, well, you know, but so, I know it was putting when I when I put that organ in the middle like that, where it just comes in and it's just like he just hits that chord. I knew that was gonna. I just knew that was gonna get everybody crazy. So it got, it got all our attention. Trust me, all of our attention now. You you had to be excited. Did you, did you have like your friends? Listen, I I just got a top ten hit. Or you you was just oblivious to it. No, because I knew like I I knew that um, with a song like that, it's it's uh, like with an artist. Are you a what hit? Are you a one hit wonder? Or are you, you know, going right. to be successful and come up with some more? So you you basically mixed that record, thinking that they were gonna keep on going, right? Did you know? Oh, about, I never. Did you know about no, more but, material coming your way? Uh, well, I knew I knew that I would I would be uh, you know I knew I would be getting more stuff. I knew that. Al Downing was right after that one, right? I'll be holding on. Yeah. Uh, yes. Is that when you met uh, Meco Minardo and Tony Miko Minardo? Miko Minardo and Tony Bongiovi, yes. That's when you first met them? Yes. And they had the idea from the records you did for Mel? Well, that was theirs, too. What, BT Express wasn't theirs? Right? No, Dream World was. Oh, Dream they World. They did Dream so, World. So that's when you met them? Yes. And they knew what you could do from. No, I didn't meet them with Dream World. I met them. I met them when when it was uh, with I'll be holding on because remember we mixed that at Media. That wasn't done at at Opal. Okay, and then do it till you're satisfied. And Dream World were done at Opal. Did the engineer at Media look at you funny too when you went to do Al Downing? No, it was Tony. It was Tony and and Tony and Miko. So, Tony and Miko were there. Okay, so you, there was no problems at all no because they um they yeah they were the boys they, they knew there was something different there and and a lot of people liked it and then when when uh and when they were get and then when uh bls was playing my versions of those songs and that that's that's when they got wise to it they said well hey if they're playing those long versions there must be something to that because you know, every every radio station wants a shorter record. They never say longer. They always want a shorter record. Yeah, three minutes was perfect. So they can put in more commercials, you know. Uh -huh, so. Uh -huh. so now, when did you start giving your little promos to the DJs? Because I've heard from Tony Geo that they used to go to your house almost every week because you had acetates for them. Yeah, I cut acetates, yeah. When did you start that? Or how did that start? Um, well, 
remember there was only eight or nine guys that uh -huh. were DJs then. Uh-huh. Uh how did you get to know them? Or did you go to their clubs or call them? Well, or? no, yeah. Well, yeah, I went to some of them. Yeah. And uh well, how did I get to meet them? Well, there was the, Tony um, Geo, then there was Bobby DJ Guadalajara. Who else? Yeah, was there? Who and, else and, was and Steve crew? Steve D'Aquisto. Uh-huh. Um uh and of course David Rodriguez, my favorite. Uh-huh. And um Bobby, uh, and Tom Severese, um, and then Jimmy Stewart. Oh, boy. So. Was Nicky Siano part yeah, of that? Yeah, this stuff, because no one else. Um, no, I, yeah, I think Nicky did come up. Okay. Um, you trusted all these people to come up to your house? You was friendly with them? Yeah, I trust them. them. Why, well, why shouldn't I trust? I mean, you know, I just trusted them. I mean, I wasn't like suspicious of them for anything. So, so how long? Well, wait, see, there's something. There's something. There's something. I gotta get this story right now. Um, when. I went over to Atlantic when they recorded the Tramps. When I knew that the Tramps left Buddha and went to uh, to uh, Atlantic, and when I you was pretty far in your mixing career when that happened, right? No, it really, I really wasn't. Well, you did, you, you know, you did more than those three. You did Dream Oh, Girl, yeah, yeah. And then they gave you a bimbo to do, right? Yeah. And, then, the, and, then, and then it was more, more, more. More, more, more. Yeah. And then that was jo real, yeah. Then Joyce. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and then Merry Go Round. Yeah. By Morning After. No, now, but the front way, remember, before I got to Philadelphia, um, the first one, the first one, when I went to Philadelphia was when Columbia asked me to do I Just Can't Say Goodbye, and then that's when I went down there. Boy, I was so mad at you for that one. I know. Well, I wanted, and I said, I wasn't trying to do the DJ's job. I was trying to give the DJ <laughs> things, things that would help them, you know, to create their long version. Boy, I was so mad. What made you think? No, but what made you think I, I, you know, what I did was perfect, and you know, I mean, other people had other ideas. I wasn't the only one. True, but still, man, when I saw that record, it was three minutes. I was like, huh? Three minutes, and then I saw the flip side instrumental, another three minutes. I said, okay, I see what they're doing now. No, because I wasn't trying to take it away from the DJs. I wanted the DJs to get the attention. So by the time you did the Philly Devotions, I think you did two of them, right? Or maybe three of them? Did them all. The whole first album, their album, right? Well, I'm, yeah, absolutely. Columbia had picked them up from that little small label they were on? Yes. And you mixed the whole album. They, they released three singles. That was good. I, no, four, four, I think. 
the all your mixes were four. I remember. No, three. I mixed. I, ju uh, I just can't say goodbye. Then it was. Um, I forget what the second one was, and then the third one was hurt so bad. Right. The first one, and then the then fourth one is uh, I just can't make it without you. I just can't make it alone. That was a special twelve inch, and Columbia gave me permission to press up five hundred copies. I paid for it myself. Where Columbia Records presents the Philly Devotions, I just can't make it. Crib radio. 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 John Davis and the Monks Orchestra doing the music and production.
So, Tom, how did you find out the trance are moving to Atlantic? Yeah, I read it. In, I read it in Billboard. So that, that's when you called your guy. I went over. Well, um, yeah, I had met Jerry Greenberg. He was the president of Atlantic Records then. And I called him and I said, um, uh, I had already done. Now, didn't I do? Supernatural thing. I must have. I did one of those records first. So when I called him, I understand you got the tramps. And I said, could, could I, you know, could I hear it? And I went over there and uh, he played me, you know, Hook for Life. And I said, well, normally when they record, they'll send out a single. You know, they usually send three songs and let you pick the best one. I said, could I, could I by any chance hear the other two? He said, sure. And he played it. When I heard that's where the happy people go, I mean, I, I just shit in my pants almost. I mean, it was just, I mean, I oh, my God, I just went crazy when I heard that. And I said, Jerry, if you let me mix that, you won't even be, you, you won't even be thinking of Hook for Life. He said, yeah, but we just released Hook for Life. I went, trust me. Trust me on this one. Because we did get a 12-inch hook for life. And all of a sudden, it got like, like they didn't promote it no more. Well, he did when my version of it came out. But that was after That's Where the Happy People Go, right? Oh, yeah, I know. Exactly. Well, Norman was pissed at me over that. Because, you know, Norman wrote Hook for Life. And Baker wrote That's Where the Happy People Go. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So now did that's where the happy people go, that long piano part in the beginning. Was that there? It was there, but it wasn't connected to the song. What was it connected to? It was just, it was Baker fooling around. Just like a, like the takes, like before the song, like they just. Yeah, you know, you know, that. Da -da 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 and then. Yeah, you know, when I heard that, and I went, dan, 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 dan. I mean, it just—I knew. I mean, it's like it's like the shit hits the fan when that dan, 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 dan comes in after that piano chord, you know. And they—they uh, they didn't want to do it. They—they they, didn't. I put that on the album. Sure did. Yeah, because we argued over that, and Jerry, Jerry said, "Tom, I, that we, you know, that ant." I didn't. He wouldn't. Let, I don't think he let me put it on the twelve inch, did he? No, no, no. So we argued about. And I said, Jerry, we got to use it on the album. We have to use that intro. And but they fought me on that. They didn't want that. And I just said, this that thing is so magical.
Jay Negron on Crib Radio.
track for them or two tracks i know you did the whole album but how did you get no but i did the one and then and then that thing started to shoot up the charts so um they they said well you know they're cutting an album maybe you ought to get involved with the album and of course i was all goo goo gaga you know so so i went down you know i got the general Google Ooh, I, know. I mean, I just, well, because I, I mean, they were my favorite group in the world. So I got all nervous and twitchy, you know? Uh-huh. So, so when, so when Harry Chippets, you know, I talk to him every, every night before I go up to my session, do my session. And, um, so he commented on that's where the happy people go. And, um, and I said, God, I just love to meet those guys. I mean, I'm just, you know, it'd be a big thrill. And he hooked me up with him, and I just, I was just, wow. Who'd you meet first? Earl. Wasn't the Earl the one that was mad at you for cutting down the songs on the album? I mean, they had, like, what, 14 songs? 13? 12. Songs? 12. Had, and it got cut down to seven? Yeah, and I got, I got the list. I got the list of songs. And he said, okay, this is, you know, and then, um, you know, he'd have the times after each song, like 2.40, you know, 3.01. And I go, I didn't, I didn't look at any of that, you know. So I just, because if it worked, if it was good, I wanted to use it. So 
that's how they have that. I mean, I was doing, I was doing that for me. I didn't care what anybody else said. You know, that all those tramps albums were for my enjoyment. That first tramps album on Atlantic that has like a real special thing for the DJs during. Oh, disco party. Disco party. Yes. Oh, I know. Yeah. And and did that have 99 and a half? That's right. So it's all in the same tape. Yep. Soul searching time. Mm-hmm. Can we come together? I mean, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's a that's a, a a historic album for us, really. But I took off all the ballads. <laughs> that's what Earl was managing, like right? There were like five ballads on there. Can I you explain? Can down. you can you explain to the audience why would Earl get mad? I mean, what's the difference between? Well, because he was involved with writing some of them, and you know. And they, rec- you know, and then, you know, people play politics like a friend of theirs would write the song and they'd say, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll record it, you know. And then I, I wouldn't get hell, but they would get hell like, oh, you promised me it was going to be on the album and say, well, this guy, you know, well, I thought you guys were the producer. Well, this guy put the album, you know, did the album the way he wanted to do it. <clears throat> And I never let them hear it. I went right to Jerry Greenberg with it and played it. And you go, oh, my God, this album's unbelievable. I knew he was going to go crazy over that first album. I mean, wow. <clears throat> now, Can We Come Together seems to go through all kind of changes. And I can imagine there was just like a regular song, the vocals, and then Fade Out. That whole second part of that song, what were you thinking? I was thinking, isn't life wonderful? <laughs> well, you asked me, and I'm telling you, no, I, you, no, I mean, I worked with Jay on that. I mean, Jay Mark, and I mean, Jay Mark is the engineer, right? Yeah, the thrill of doing that was, I was like, you could peel me off the ceiling. I was so high from just doing the tramps i mean really that that was like wow
the Saturday Night Disco Flight with Jay Negron. Okay, tonight is Tom Moulton's night. He's here in the studio with us. And right now, here's his latest unauthorized mix. This is Kim Tibbs, the UK remixes. This one's called Stop Running on Crib Radio.
listening to Jay Negron on Rib Radio. What a ride. First of all, do you have any funny David Rodriguez stories? I know you told me a couple. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, no, but you, you, uh, you heard the one where I had Bill Ward. This is before I did the charts no. in Billboard. No. And he was playing at the limelight. David Rodriguez. Yes. Uh-huh. And I wanted... To show Bill Ward like what one of the D because see remember the DJs back then they played what they wanted to play they didn't cater to the crowd uh-huh. yeah. and I thought they were more forceful as DJs and you know eventually it turned the other way with oh I can't play it because everybody will walk off the floor well any good DJ doesn't care about that because they're going to say, hey, look, it's a good show, and that's why I'm playing it, you know. Exactly. But, you know, so anyway, they got they got to be a bunch, they got to be a bunch of pussies, you know, eventually. I mean, they they were so afraid the crowd, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard and, that. but the original guys weren't like that. And anyway, so David was in this glass booth, and, you know, when I came, he didn't know I was coming down with anybody or anything, so he goes, I'm in a bad mood tonight, so I'm going to play down music. So if you want to, if you're looking for a good time, you better go somewhere else. Went, oh my God. Yeah. I didn't know. No, I know. I almost died. And I said, and then Bill Wardlow is looking at me like, are they all like this? I said, not exactly. You mean you brought, uh, brought, you brought Bill to the limelight? Yeah, because he wanted to know what a DJ, what a, a regular DJ was like. And I thought, well, I don't know anybody better than than David Rodriguez because he expresses what he what he likes, you know. Uh-huh. But I thought I'm in a down move. And then the guy, the owner comes banging on the door. He says, you're fired. He goes, you can't fire me because I quit. <laughs> Were there people there? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he likes his song. And I happened to mix it. It goes, make make this a better home by Gladys Knight and the Pips. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want to, he said, I, I want everybody to dance to this song. And, and nobody would do it. He said, well, I'm just going to play it the whole night till everybody gets up and decides to dance. So he played it like seven times and then people got up and started dancing and then he goes all right dance one with dance again but 
but dance with more enthusiasm. He did this at the club? <laughs> yeah. So everybody wanted to hear rain, date with the rain. So they kept saying rain, play rain, play rain. So he did a half hour of sound effects. You know, a thunderstorm. Oh, jeez. And then all of a sudden, in the background, and then you find it like the voice was getting closer and closer, closer. And then rain, 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 rain. I got a date with the rain. I mean, it was so fucking flawless how he did that. Everybody started screaming. in the studio with us We're playing his jams and talking here's ecstasy passion and pain I wouldn't give you up special Tom Moten mix
mix of double exposure you are my everything on Crib Radio jamming with Tom Moulton tonight
Montana Jr. You are my everything double exposure. Listen, we'll be right back. We'll be right back after the cut. Don't touch that mouse. We'll be right back. Saturday night with Jay Negron.